Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that virtually at least travels the world to bring you the sharpest insights into the property sector. And today we're going to Singapore, Chicago, New York and Sydney as we try to work out just how much COVID-19 is going to change the way global hotel and leisure operators think. The experience needs to be different. It's about recreating your offering. And we'll be asking what the impact will be on investors in the sector. If you're sitting on a, a decent amount of what we call dry powder, you'll be able to pick up some fantastic opportunities throughout the market. I'm Guy Ruddle, and as I say, we're travelling the world today uh, to bring you this story. But let's start in Singapore with Raymond Clement, who is Savile's Managing Director of Hotels in the Asia-Pacific region. Uh, Raymond, um, I, pr- I imagine it's been a pretty extraordinary time in your sector and your part of the world uh, for the last six or nine months or so. Uh, thanks, Guy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, COVID-19 has had a, a very destructive impact uh, on the traditional uh, hotel offering uh, in the industry here in, in Asia. Uh, we've seen some some relatively dramatic drops in, in occupancy in city-states like Singapore, uh, places like Thailand, mainly, mainly uh, states that have just shut their borders down that normally have to attract international travel in order to to uh, to reap a benefit of the hotel. Uh, we have seen markets such as Japan, uh, Korea, uh, even China have a very, very strong rebound when it came to the domestic side. So as soon as the the uh, the government's kind of re- lifted the the initial you know ban on travel, uh, we've seen some pretty strong rebounds, but there is significant, I mean, significant pain uh, in the industry. And how, how are people your hoteliers and companies reacting to that? I mean, there's been a number of different measures. I think the banks have been relatively um, resilient in being able to support a lot of the operators and owners, um, you know, trying to avoid a mass insolvency. Um, There's also been landlords who have been able to reduce rent structures and been able to put guarantees around particular amounts of income. So, so far, we've seen pretty low um, collateral damage, but those taps will be turned off at some point. There's no way you can continue that. Raymond, we'll we'll hear more from from you in a a minute or two, but let's now hear from some of those uh, owners and operators and people active in the hotel sector. Um, We've brought together a panel of people. Uh, Luca Franco is the founder and CEO of Luxury Frontiers, which designs and develops experiential resorts around the world. James McBride is CEO of Nihi Hotels, which runs the Nihi Sumba Island in Indonesia, which was voted the best hotel in the world by Travel and Leisure magazine in 2016 and 2017. And Kasper Schmidt, who is based in Sydney, owns QCC Collection, a hotel consultancy that advises around the world on everything from development through management to investment. So we got them all together, spent some time with them, and the result was a fascinating insight into where the sector is and where it might go. This is a heavyweight uh, panel if ever there was. Perhaps I could start uh, with uh, you, Luca, uh, and, and ask you, um, are you open? I mean, do, are you, have you got a business, a sort of functioning business and turnover at all at the moment? Yeah, we, we have. I mean, of course, we, we lost some of the business, so some of the business has been on hold. Uh, but the, um, it 
it's um, but we 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 are quite positive to what is going to happen, what's happening, and the consumer behavior culture shift that comes from uh, COVID. It, so we we see a bright future in spite of the, of course, of the humanitarian uh, pandemic crisis that is awful. How do you think it's going to change then? We will uh, travel uh, differently in the next three years. And, and eventually, in three years' time, we will wake up from this unexpected nightmare with a new normal. Uh, masks will be accessories, like in Asia since 2002, and safety and cleaning protocols, and uh, medical passports, and thermal scans, all will be normal, will be part of our day-by-day. And, uh, and I think life goes on. It's like uh, after 9-11, um, with all these protocols while flying, when be- flights became actually a very safe place. And I think everyone will consume differently, uh, with more drive to natural elements, uh, with uh, authenticity and with a purpose. And maybe travel, maybe people will travel less, but uh, uh, longer. And James, uh, it, with, with uh, the Nihi Sumba Island uh, hotel of yours, the, the idea of, of travel with a purpose uh, w- w- must be music to your ears, if, if that's right, isn't it? Because that's quite a big deal for you. It, it is music to my ears. I think the the challenging thing for us is we are, and just to answer the question you asked Luca earlier, we, we just opened September 1st, um, but it will be for domestic travel only as Indonesia is closed as a country uh, for the rest of the year, they've announced. And, uh, but at least we are open and, uh, and people are getting to enjoy it and, and returning to the edge of wildness, uh, which is socially distant and very wildly connected, I might add. Um, but my fear of the, of the future is I think, yes, there will be tremendous pent-up demand, but um, these businesses, lodges in Africa, Nihi Sumba and the sorts are all really, really fueled by North American travel. You know, almost 60, 60% of our business comes from North America, 28 hours away from Sumba. And I think it's going to become more regional uh, for at least a year or two. And uh, from where we were going to have our best year ever in 20 and 19, obviously, was the best. I think it's going to take a good two to three years to get back to where we were even in 19. Uh, James, uh, sorry to interrupt, but as a business, yes. how do you financially cope with that? I mean, you know, if, if your business sort of ceases to operate, how do you cope? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm in a very fortunate position. I have an amazing partner, uh, Chris Birch, uh, who's an extraordinary entrepreneur and very, very passionate about Sumba and the people of Sumba and the Sumba Foundation. We're very, very uh, philanthropic, working on eradicating malaria, educating children, providing potable water, and raised probably close to $700,000 a year through mostly our guests who become attached and a, and a part of the experience. And just having 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 Chris uh, behind everything is is truly what 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 keeps the the show on the road because you're absolutely right and that's why I think that Savills is going to be very busy as there's going to be an extraordinary amount of real estate on the market because people can't sustain from over leverage and the sorts but in our case uh, we are blessed. Yeah, Casper, um, you know you, you you're presumably talking to all your clients uh, all, all the time at the moment. 
do you, what's the feeling you get about uh, how long it's going to be before there's a sort of anything like a normal industry uh, uh, to operate in? Look, it really depends on the on the cities, the clients are in. But if we look at at Australia, then it's it's evident that uh, Sydney, Melbourne, uh, even Brisbane, and and also Perth, um, they're all hurting because of the the border closures. Um, and so, what what essentially is happening is that people are actually trying to venture out. Um, they're actually going uh, into regional areas to uh, explore uh, certain aspects of their I call it their backyard, essentially. Um, and, and that's what we're seeing. We're actually seeing regional tourism and domestic tourism in those areas growing, whereas the occupancies and the ADRs, the average rates, uh, average daily rates in the cities are, uh, I want to say, in some areas plummeting. Uh, I spoke to a client yesterday in Sydney. His hotel uh, for, the, for the full last month was sitting at 18% occupancy. Uh, it's, it's really scary figures and numbers that are coming out. And, and I have to say, as James is saying, um, I think within the next six months, there's going to be an an enormous amount of assets for sale, uh, not only here but but worldwide. Um, so um, yes, um, it, it is a it is a bad situation we're in. But um, I have to say, there's also uh, a bit of positivity in the fact that people are actually venturing out um, and are actually looking to uh, go into to nature and go into ecotourism and more sustainability and and uh, uh, also. Um, uh, viewing and trying uh, glamping and tented uh, environments, etc. So it's 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 a shift for sure. Yes. So you know, the, it sounds very Darwinian. You know that the, there is going to be, from what you're all saying, you know, a, 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 without without wishing to sound too crude, a clear out of you know, good businesses will survive, and less well organised and financed businesses won't. Um, is it going to be Darwinian? Do you think? Uh, uh, Luca, in terms of the types of holiday that people take, you know, a lot of businesses like, like yours, I guess, to a certain extent, rely on international travel, do they? Or, or can you get away with more domestic travel? There is a, a consumer behavior cultural shift and uh, everybody will look for uh, something more uh, meaningful and uh, maybe will travel less, but more authentic with the purpose, like I mentioned before. And... Um, the consumption travel will uh, will end uh, or will be reduced and will be more uh, an empathetic uh, and a cautious travel where uh, um, it's it's where it's a real important uh, and, and it's a it's a cross cultural understanding between host traveler and also uh, the local community and like um, uh, James does very well in Nikki and it's uh, very enlightening. Um, and uh, going back to Casper said about nature, he, there will be, I think, a pent-up demand for uh, for people craving for nature and to be immersed in nature, to be rebalanced by nature or with nature. That sort of implies, James, that you know less, you know, that you you would draw your in future draw your your customer base from less further far less far afield. I. Uh... Agreed, yes. I think you've just got different customer demographics and and resorts like ours uh, have got used to, you know, a, a certain amount of revenue generation by what you can charge for this kind of experience. And that kind of experience in some ways is perceived at a higher level 
to different geographical areas. This economic piece as to how it all works is, is, is going to have to evolve and, and will change over time. And uh, I think the pricing and the expectation is also going to have to be looked at. And I think just as I said in a, uh, a, a panel I did last week was we, we have to live where we are today. The past is the past, and you've got to calibrate your business accordingly for today and look at how you're going to operate it and be successful because what we had before is gone. It's not just going to come back. It's going to have to be relooked at. Is it, Casper, do you think as simple as, as saying there's going to be a lot less travel? So you're, you know, so volumes will be down, so margins have to be higher and everything's just going to be more expensive? No, not necessarily. I mean, look, obviously we, we, we know that the international travel is going to take a good while before it returns, no doubt. But I actually think that uh, the people that, at least where I have clients, uh, be that in Japan or, uh, or here in Australia or in Europe, um, many many of them are actually quite positive with the regional travel. So um, because people can't go overseas, they actually have uh, the money that they would spend otherwise. Um, so I, I don't necessarily see it as an issue uh, when it comes to that. I think the experiences needs to be different. And, and I fully agree with James and, and Luca when they say that. It's, it's about recreating your offering. So um, an example is I have a, a client who owns a winery in New South Wales, and essentially they've had to change the entire cellar door on their offering to actually attract uh, uh, locals, uh, New South Wales uh, people to actually come and visit. And they have hugely successful in, in, in doing that. Uh, we're now adding accommodation to that, uh, to that uh, winery as well. And that's just giving a different offering. And that's really sort of re, uh, reenacting the, the, the entire scenario of, of them being in, in existence because uh, prior to COVID, it was sort of sporadic who would come and visit. But now they're, they're fully booked for their cellar door, which is, which is good. So, so I they, think, I think they, it's a... Are they yielding the same, uh, the same prices? They're actually yielding, they, they're they, yielding, yielding, they're actually yielding higher than what they were before. Yeah. But I think this is the interesting, the interesting dile- dilemma with this. And there was a very interesting article in the New York Times on this, is that all of a sudden businesses are, are, are tapping into their regional markets, obviously, and their, their local, because that's, that's all they have the option to do, whether it be in Africa, whether South Africa, Tanzania, Kenya, Indonesia. And the yield of that consumer base in Indonesia specifically is a, is a quarter of what the normal what the normal rate and revenue generation is and it's a very delicate matter because yeah. you you're in business and you're in a country and and 95% of your business comes from overseas and then when things start going wrong you have to focus completely on the local market and uh it's it's a it's a delicate delicate dance i have to say because uh you you were overpriced before and didn't uh, accommodate the people within that land, and now that's all you have. I think the opportunities are going to be huge. Um, they're going to be uh, all over, and you're going to have, uh, you know, the old great com- company that I, I, I rent, you know, ten years ago, YTL, who are very, very cash rich, and it's, it's just sort of the the next cycle. Um, ten years later, of where assets are going to be picked up all over Asia by the groups of like YTL. And uh, they will grow their portfolio and continue. The same will be in Europe and, and the and the US. It's it's going to be it's just the, the cycle repeating, and people getting assets at appropriate prices. I mean, the prices that that have been going for the last two or three were ridiculous. You could, you you know they were yeah, they agree. were not susta- they were not sustainable. And everything is going to it's it's a reset and a retool, and and those with uh, with cash are, are going to you know, get in there big time. 
Yeah, this is a very unfortunate for because there will be many companies on the brink of collapse, and and that and so it's if you have cash, cash is king, and if you have cash, you will be able to buy amazing, great jewels, and that's very unfortunate for small businesses. But uh, it is what it is. I think. Yeah, I'm yeah. I think I think what we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of talk about mergers at the moment. I think we'll see the bigger get bigger and the smaller just unfortunately uh, disappear in this in this scenario um i do think though that investors are looking to diversify too and i actually do think that people are when they look at investment is not only major cities they're actually looking outside the cities now as well because they can see that uh the 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 rates and the occupancies for for regional towns etc are actually in, increasing so in particular in, in australia there's a, a big big increase in rates uh, on the east coast um, and um, it's actually just proving that investments there are, are quite quite, uh, quite good to get your hands on if you can. Um, but I think within the next six months, we're going to see a lot of assets for sale. Um, and, and unfortunately, as Lucas says, it's, 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 you're going to see the collapse of some businesses at the same time. Yeah. So we've been talking for a while now, and um, you're all busy people. We can't talk forever. Let me ask you one last question each, which is, which is this. Do you imagine that in sort of five years' time, maybe 10 years' time, you'll look back at a year ago and, and you'll recognise the industry that, that you're in then with what you were in a year ago, um, James? Sure, no, I, I think in all of these things, time heals. I think this is going to be, everything will get back to normal. It always does. And uh, I think that the, the reflection of not being able to travel, of actually creating consistency in your life, spending time in the same place with your family or, or wherever it may be, will always be reflected upon as, a, as, 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 as sad as it was, as an extraordinary experience and, and something that's, you know, will probably not happen again for an, another hundred years. And, you know, but in, in five, six years' time, life will be back to normal and everything will be, be chugging along. Do you agree with that, Luca? Uh, totally. I think uh, everybody had a really, it was difficult, challenging, and, but we had time to, to think of what, what is really meaningful. And that is about health, family, of course, income to sustain the family and, and planet. I think, I think it's, uh, you know, things will go back to normal. I think, I mean, as we, life as we know it has obviously changed uh, completely. Um, I think uh, people would want to have a sort of a different kind of freedom to, to what they had before. Uh, but the connection they have with family now is, uh, is, is vital and, and something that we didn't have before. I mean, we, most of us would spend you know, 200 days plus overseas every year and flying left, right and center um, and, and, you know, be confused to where we were going next. Whereas uh, while we spent uh, three, six months or however long in, in, in lockdown, we've actually realized that that's not probably a, a necessity in general. So I think, I think it's really about sort of finding out how, uh, how grateful we are for what we have and, and, and really appreciating it. So that was Luca Franco of Luxury Frontiers, James McBride of Nihi Hotels and Casper Schmidt from QCC Collection. So Raymond Clement, the Savills Managing Director of Hotels in Asia Pacific, uh, was listening to all of that. Uh, Raymond, um, interesting that they were all talking about experiential holidays, holidays closer to home, sort of more in touch with nature. I mean, they're all slightly talking their own book, I guess, because that's what they do. But do you, do you think that is a, a, a particularly strong theme going forward? 
uh, there's currently currently far more demand exists that, than supply of either you know outdoor cabins and tent products and branded experiences. Uh, travelers want more quality options across a variety of price points. Uh, operators want more growth, whether entitled land or, or capital to at least see through the development process, and, and especially many landowners, they want to find glamping operators to help them capitalize on their land. Uh, will it always be, though, you know, a slightly sort of uh, non-mainstream part of the market or do, can it become you know i mean i'm not suggesting it's going to become like a you know tour operators shipping hundreds of thousands of people around the place but but can it become more mainstream do you think yeah, i mean demand for glamping uh you know for I, i'm not a big fan of the word glamping but for lack of a better word glamping has been steadily increasing well before covid uh due to larger trends that include you know the digital transformation uh, of of work leading to more freelance workers who live I guess, nomadic lifestyles, um, uh, increasing demand for experimental travel, especially, you know, by, by the younger millennial travelers. Like I said, COVID-19 has had a very destructive impact on many, many hospitality offerings, such as hotels and restaurants. But camping and, and, and glamping products have seen an explosive demand uh, due to their ability to provide social, distant, hygienic, secluded breaks from, from the city. And the other thing that struck me from what the the conversation with 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 the guys was that the, the idea that there's going to be a lot of corporate activity in your sector. You know, there are a lot of hotels will struggle. The, the less well performing ones, maybe the less well financed ones, uh, will will be in big trouble. And the, there'll be a lot of buying and selling going on. Do, do you see that as well? Yeah, I mean, we went into 2020 with you know extremely high hopes. The level of liquidity has not dissipated whatsoever. What has is owners' reluctance to put something that is trading currently at a you know ninety percent discount on occupancy um, to the market, which is understandable. I mean, people are now becoming more to in tune with the fact that this is going to last a lot longer, and the and the collateral damage is going to be far more significant than what initially was was forecast. So yeah, there will be a tremendous amount of corporate activity. There will be institutional, there will be high net worth. Uh, primarily, you know, the, the main issue that many people will run into is just a lack of, of, of banks willing to, to offer senior level debt on acquisitions of hotels. So if, you, if you're sitting on a, a decent amount of what we call dry powder, which is just a lot of cash, uh, you'll be able to pick up some fantastic opportunities throughout the market at a, a relatively decent discount. Raymond, thank you very much for that. It's been fascinating to talk to you and to get and to get the the view from your part of the world, and fascinating to talk to Luca and James and and Casper as well. And I know you helped us uh, put those uh, put us in touch with those guys. So that's really really good of you. Uh, it's been great talking to you. As I say, thank you very much indeed for that. That's it. Uh, for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If you want more information on the global hotel and leisure sector, you'll find Raymond's blog and much else besides on the Savills Singapore website. Savills.com.sg is the place for that. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast.
This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.